0: Welcome in. It is the podcast according to sources. I am your guy, SD2 Mics. And I have the best wing players in podcast land. Running the wings on this podcast fast break. It is my guys, Chris Kasen, at C4 Dunk. And my boy from Down in the Dirty, Brian Crawford at B underscore Crawl 4D. As always, you can see right there on the scroll. Go subscribe to A2S Network on YouTube. For all of our previous content, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all streaming platforms. Just type in according to sources or A2S Network, and you'll be able to grab us. Man, we have a great show tonight. We're going to talk about some firing, some possible hirings, some sneaks, and then we'll get to the peaks and lows. And we have a new segment. You good? Man, we're going to be asking some of the teams that are disappointed around the NBA what's wrong and what they need to do to get better going into the second half of the season. Tonight is the last set of games going into the All Star break. Uh, a lot of stars will be resting. Got Luka Doncic is resting. I believe LeBron is supposed to rest. Big matchup tonight between, I'm sure BC will be watching this game late. Damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to that. head to head tonight. <laughs> be interesting. And today is a really important day uh, in the NBA. Uh, free agents that signed in the offseason are now eligible to be uh, included in trades with the trade deadline coming up. So we'll talk about some of those guys that signed that are eligible that might be on the move and whether or not the trade deadline is going to be uh, heavy with action or just kind of. Uh, uh, so we'll get into it, but we want to start off, as always, with our opening layups for my wingman. Let's go bounce pass to my boy C4.
1: Opening and tap. I really don't have anything. Um, you know, I was just thinking about uh, Lloyd Pierce, you know, being fired from Atlanta. It doesn't make sense uh, to me just because they're still a very young team, a lot of injuries. Uh, this year, it's kind of weird, also, just to see a coach, you know, fire just with the challenges this year, as far as like having guys in and out of the lineup. So, um, I mean, you know, props to Nate McMillan for, like, you know, going to Lloyd and making sure he had his blessings before, you know, taking the interim coaching tag. But yeah, that's one I just don't get at all.
0: Bounce pass behind the back, BC. What's your opening layup? Um,
2: I'm gonna be petty. And I'm gonna be petty because it was about a year ago this time, actually. Next month. well, yeah, no, it was about a year ago this time. I had made a comment about James Harden, and it caught the attention of I guess some local radio sports caster down there. <clears throat> he retweeted me, you know, blew me up, and like, you know, my point was basically you can't win with the dude. You know what I'm saying? So I had all of Houston, all the Rockies fans going crazy. So, you know, fast forward a year later, James Harden ain't there. You know, he's in uh, Brooklyn. I believe they playing in Houston. Right. And this same radio host just yesterday was talking about, oh, you basically, you suck. Nobody loves you here. No love for you here. Yada, yada, yada. What changed? You know what I'm saying? What changed? The and uniform. You, that is it. And I told you from the gate, you can't win with that dude. So, yeah, he probably not going to see this, and, you know, and that's cool. But, yeah, like I said, I'm going to be petty, man. I, you know, I say what I say. People don't agree. But, you know, you know, when I hit, you know, I hit. And y'all know me. I'm one thing. I'm consistent. And i and I've yeah. been consistent on James Harden. You know what I'm saying? So, now people finding out.
0: Hey, we want to go right into a 4 gave us a perfect segue the firing of one-lord uh, Pierce down in Atlanta. And, you know, Atlanta, 15 and 20 on the season, they've been really struggling. And uh, one of the most disappointing teams you talked about in our last episode, C4, they were one of your disappointing teams. Uh, I talked to you guys about it early on. I was watching games for four consecutive games, Capella and John Collins had more field goal attempts than Trey Young. And it was obvious that he wasn't being aggressive. And you come out and you look at him the game after Pierce is fired. He's ultra-aggressive down in Miami doing his thing. And I I hate to say it was a player revolt on the court, meaning they had tuned him out, trying to get the coach fired. And like you said, shout out to Nate McMillan going (laughs) to uh, Pierce and asking for his blessing. And I, I bet you the argument to Pierce was, "No, bro, you got to take this opportunity because we need, we can't lose another one. And right? If you don't have one of us with the head coaching spot in the NBA. You have to take the slot." So, uh, your thoughts about how everything has transpired down there in Atlanta, and you know, Trey not being aggressive on purpose, man, that's that right there is just shocking to me from a character standpoint. I thought I would never see that from the kid, but. You know, your thoughts on the, the uh, firing, and do you think Nathan Miller can get these guys back in the playoff hunt?
2: Um, I mean, for me, you know, I you know, I think we before the beginning of the season when we had the podcast, we all expected you know Atlanta to make a huge jump, take you know particularly in the East, make the playoffs and everything like that. Um, you know, the John Collins situation, you know, him missing games kind of hurt that. But then, like you said, you know Trey Young just wasn't being himself, and you know I just kind of you know dismissed it, and I didn't really you know I didn't really think there was any internal problems like that. But um, I mean I think you're right. You know it was it was like a revolt, um, you know, and a lot of the coaches around the league, you know they you know they'll say good things about Lloyd Pierce, and you know I, I saw what uh you know some of the coaches said like Pop and stuff like that. Um, I mean, but regardless if he's a good X's and O's guy or player development, or whatever, if if you don't make that connection with your team, particularly with a young team, you know, um, you know it can go downhill pretty quickly. So, you know, I did think that his comments about him not liking trade shots, um, you know, and the way he draws fouls, you know, kind of similar to, you know, some of the things that Steve Nash has said or what have you. Um, I thought that was interesting, but you know, Nate McMillan is you know a, a proven coach in the league. Um, he has taken teams, and he's won with them. So it's not like it's some super dramatic drop off. But then at the same time, you know, the other the other part of that is like you said, you know, we we can't lose another black coach. So for them to dismiss Pierce, but then give you know Nate McMillan the shot after um, the assistant in San Antonio gets passed over um or doesn't even get a look um i'm okay with this you know so regardless of how it ends up in atlanta i'm
0: okay with this right now before c4 jumps in you go to the case what happened in minnesota they went outside of the organization and literally went and got somebody that they fell in love with during the interview process two years ago you right. know, maybe I'm mixing
2: up my coaches. Maybe it was the assistant um, in Minnesota. Yeah. 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 The assistant yeah. We were talking about. Yeah. David. Yeah. Manipool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for him to not even get
1: a look, he's been there. That's, yeah. that's yeah. crazy. C4. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the situation where the is kind of weird, just because like you said, we all expected them to make a jump. But when you break it down to like who did they sign uh, Bogdanovich, um, Galinari and Rondo I mean and those guys have missed a significant amount of time so far this season uh whether it be due to just regular injury or like COVID uh health and safety protocol so I was a little bit surprised but um I don't think the trade thing was more so a revolt to Pierce I do know that there has been like internal things with like John Collins I mean when you when a guy turns down a 90 million dollar extension before the season and bet on himself. And he's, he's maybe only getting seven, eight shots per game. And they're all like lob attempts. You know, that, that would, I think that causes a huge friction in there. And these guys are still fairly young. So you're managing, trying to still have guys young enough who I roles like that in between of expectations, playoffs, and you still have guys that are still, you know, figuring things out and trying to carve their niche in the league. But, I mean, happy for Nate McMillan. I think he can help, you know, instill, like, a little bit more, you know, probably say some further discipline. Selection is going to be what Trey Young's shot selection is. Um, that's gifted offensively like that. But I think he'd be a you know, take some of those 30, 32, 35 footers. You know, it's all about time management, clock management, and where you are, like on the scoreboard. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens for the rest of the season. I'm really in the thick of things for the playoff, uh, you know, thing. I mean, but yeah, it's just a weird firing to me just with this season being what it is.
0: Yeah, the Eastern Conference is crazy too because even though they're 15 and 20. I think they're only four games out uh, of the fifth spot behind the Celtics. Everybody's bunched together, yep. so I mean, they, they can go on a quick run right here and hop right back into the heat of, the, heat of uh, the race in the Eastern Conference. And you talk about Nate McMillan. One of the things he did immediately, uh, he went to Herder instead of Adinovich in the starting lineup, and uh, we saw Tony Snell getting a lot more tick as well. So Who? in itself. Looks like Nate is going to a more defensive lineup. You said who got got some time? You know who I said your favorite, your favorite small forward, man. Oh
2: man, not him. <laughs> I did see him. I did see him on the court the other day. That was funny. All
0: right. So we uh, man, you gonna give us play by play? BC. No, nah, my bad. <laughs> I meant to mute that. My fault. I thought something had happened. It was, uh, but they didn't start they started nine, right? Yeah, they started nine. they started. nine. This was uh, who was this New Orleans or Chicago? Yeah, man. Who? Speaking of that, that's a perfect segue. Yo, let's talk about Zion Williamson, man. And I, we had talked about it in previous podcasts. Uh, he makes his first all star game. Uh, his teammate Brandon Ingram made the all star team last year. Uh, there was some debate whether or not Zion should have made the all star team over Devin Booker. The uh, fe- month of February has been fantastic, 27 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Uh, I think at the end of January, we saw them make the strategic move to uh, give him the ball, open the offense, and turn him into a point four. And we've seen early in the season, C4, you t- you pointed out on one of our earlier podcasts that uh, SVG was getting him more uh, in motion and getting him the ball moving instead of being you know, in the corner waiting for a three-point shot late in the shot clock. Mm-hmm. And with the adjustment of adding that along to giving him possessions at the point four, uh, even though they don't have the players to really space the floor, he still yep. found a way to dominate in the paint, shooting 62% and averaging 25 points per game. I would love to see him get his rebounds up to about 9 to 10 and be a little bit more active, especially on the defensive board. But you have to be uh, pleasantly surprised with the growth with the kid who still hasn't played a full season. He's only played 50, uh, 59 regular season games to this point.
2: I mean, I'm just happy to see him play 59 games. I mean, and, and I'm happy to see him, you know, be on the court a lot more. I mean, the, the guy is, he's unbelievable. He still, everything he does is basically off raw talent and ability. Like, he still hasn't, you know, really developed some of the, I mean, what I would say, like, finer points of <clears throat> offense and things like that. But, you know, he could just – he can do everything, and he plays hard and he's super strong. Um, so once he starts to get, you know, certain things in his bag, then he's, he's, he's just going to be ridiculous to stop. Um, you know, not that tall, but he's very big and strong. He's basically like a center on the perimeter. He's just not that tall, but, you know, he's very effective. And everything that he does, and you know, as long as he's healthy, it looks like to me, you know, he's just gonna keep getting better.
1: C4, what are your thoughts about the yeah, kid I mean, and- I can't, I mean, I think just you mentioned his, um, like the February head, this guy averaged 20 points in the paint, which is ridiculous, you know, for somebody like that's maybe 6'5, 2, which is ridiculous, right. but, I mean, he's he's one of those players that literally is a walking mismatch. He's a big one. He's going to go right past him. You pull a smaller player out of him, no matter if he's on the post or on the perimeter. If he, hit, if he gets his shoulder in your, into your chest, you're done. There's nothing you could do about it. I mean, uh, he's getting a shot blocked a lot at the rim, but he's always, like, the first guy off the floor, you know, to corral at. And he's right back at the rim. So uh, it's been good to see um, just his progression. But I think uh, Stan Van Gundy is still trying to figure out, like, a lineup with them because it's just a weird, weird roster that really isn't tailored, like, specifically to him. I think that they're, they'll are they probably be, like, uh, two moves away to get, um, like, what they want to accomplish around him. But you can't argue with what he's doing, you know, so far in the second season i mean playing playing a lot more minutes they're putting the ball in his hands more letting them create like i said i think the future is just bright for that team i don't know what they're going to do with lonzo i mean but eric blesso really doesn't fit there to me with what they're trying to do and he definitely does need at least be on the floor with at least three shooters at all times because like i said you have to double him if he catches the ball in the paint
2: modern modern, modern day charles barkley man like same kind of thing like,
0: man man, man. Yeah. I would even say he's probably more explosive. Man, he yammed Daniel Gaffer tonight. Oh, I mean, the the, the explosion
2: part of it is there. You know, I just think, you know, with Charles Barkley, he came in, you know, he had a couple years of college ball on his belt, so he's a little bit more polished. Right. But, I mean, in terms of like just not being that tall, but being super strong, can handle the ball and get up off the floor, it's the exact same thing.
0: Man, you you watch his game. Do you think now he really hasn't, with the pandemic, uh, he's not had a normal off season quite yet, right? Because they were right. going in uh, in the offseason season working out in shifts, so he really hasn't had a full off season to get ready. He hasn't played a full regular season schedule. I talked to our guy Gino. Stay humble on Twitter. And we were talking about the counters that he needs to learn, like what counters you know, are going to come up. So, what's the next step? You know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking the next step is like face jab with the short jumper, or will it be like going over his left shoulder instead of his right shoulder to his left hand?
2: I mean, I think at some point he gonna have to get a face-up game, and he gonna have to you know get some footwork to go along with that. Right now, he just like Chris said, he just putting his shoulder and people just moving them out the way. Like it don't even matter. Like if you a shot blocker, like you said, I'm gonna go. He's big enough to where you can go in there and block it, but he's quick and fast enough. He's gonna get it right back and catch you off balance, and he might dunk you. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. You know, off the offensive rebound. So, but just that face up game. Obviously, working on his jumper some more. I mean, you know, I was having a conversation on Twitter the other day talking about the mid-range game, man, if Zion developed a mid-range game, forget it, it's over, you know, because he, he's big enough, he can move you out of the way and then just pull up on you, just explosive like that. So it's a couple of little things that he needs to get into his game, you know, but right now it's just it's just all speed, strength, and power. And he can, you know, he can live off of that. He can make a lot of money doing it. But if he wants to develop, like, as a player, like I said, you know, early, he just gets some more things in his bag, but definitely, you know, face up, being able to, you know, work on his mid range game. And, you know, we we know that he can stretch it out three. I think that should come later. But right now, just like what he needs to develop in the short, immediate term, I think is just, you know, everything inside, you know, moving outside of the paint a little bit more.
0: Man, the unknown factor or the unknown variables of the future of his game, you can kind of like combine that with. Last season, coming off the All-Star pairing, a lot of people thought that New Orleans would build around Brandon Ingle because we had not seen a lot from Zion. But moving forward, I think it's safe to say that if you're going to win down there, you're probably going to end up building around Zion and getting shooters and placing them around him along with Brandon Ingle. So with that being said, C4, you touched on briefly about the two players away. Would those two players be a shooting guard or a point guard that can stress the floor and a big man that can stress the floor? Is that the direction you think they should go in?
1: That's the, that's what I think they're, uh, they're David, uh, David Griffin. Um, that makes this so unique. There hasn't really been. A- any player really in recent memory that kind of like had that whatever Zion is, it's kind of hard to know how to build around him. I mean, because do you keep him at the four or small ball with him at the five? I don't know how to, con- it's like, it puts you in this difficult position. Like how do we best construct these things to not only highlight things for them, but make it easier for them. So I think, can I would say maybe a more like accomplished um, you know point guard to set things. At, I don't know. It's just really difficult to say right now, just because there hasn't. There's no like blueprint to say, all right, this player is like similar to Zion, so we can see what they did wrong, see what they did right. It's just an anomaly to do six, five, two, 280, and you look at what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. It's like trying to find people to pair with them is difficult right now. I would like me some time to sit back and see who who can you put next to them that would make things easier for them.
2: Well I mean I think the first person you probably got to get rid of and it might sound crazy Brandon Ingram. Mm. Um I don't think they both they both like to have the ball in their hands to score. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to kind of like pick your poison obviously if you're going you know if you're going to build around zion williamson brandon ingram is is not going to be happy with you know getting less shots you know getting fewer shots and you know as zion progresses into the league he's not going to be happy with that either so i don't you know i don't really think that you know that can work um so i mean i think if somebody has to go it's probably brandon ingram like it and I know everybody's talking about getting rid of Lonzo Ball. I think Lonzo Ball is the perfect person to play with Zone. You know, because he don't, you know, he does, he can do everything else. And he's not really looking for a whole bunch of shots. So man, yeah, I, I'm kind of like Chris was like I would really have to kind of have to sit back and think about it. But definitely for sure, um, Eric Blesso don't work. And I think um, you know, I, I think I think Brandon Ingram eventually
1: go yeah it's weird to see what they what like they're gonna be obviously I mean with I'm just trying to like forecast three years like it all a lot depends on like how Zion develops and that's on like both ends of the floor like that'll give you a better see hey do we need a guy like a Steven Adams to you know protect the rim for this guy or do we just say you know F defense we're just gonna outscore you because Zion could play up and down he could play half court. So it's just weird. I mean, I look at the Lonzo Ball situation also. Is I know he's in a lot of trade rumors, but there's probably nobody better to get him the ball, like how he likes it and, you know, the way he likes it. But with them now putting the ball more so in Zion's hands, it's forcing Lonzo to be like a spot-up shooter, and which is probably not a strength at this point, even though he is knocking him down uh, this year. But I don't know. It's just a weird roster and I think just Zion's strength and who he is as a player is so unique that there really is no blueprint to how to build around a player like that
2: and you just mentioned steven adams he in the way he probably got to go too like i don't think you need steven adams in there at all once once you know once zion like you know like chris said like develop it's probably gonna be like next year you're not gonna need steven adams you're gonna you want him to be the only person down there in the paint.
0: That's interesting, B.C., because you talked about moving Brandon Ingram. He just got his money, too. So um, the contract really isn't that bad, and he's young enough where somebody could probably see him being you know, a one on a squad and you probably give you maybe a couple of veterans or give you a package that includes some shooters and maybe a, a nice guard. I'm trying to think of a team that would be open to that. You know, I can't think of a team offhand that would be a good trade partner. But that's interesting, the prospect of moving Brandon Ingram to kind of build the squad out around, around Zion.
2: I mean, I don't think you really want Brandon Ingram to be your number one anyway. Um, obviously, as a player, he probably thinks he's number one. It feels like he's number one. and He definitely takes number one shots. But he, he he's a tier below guys like um, Jason Tatum and, um, you know, Jalen Brown.
0: What if you moved him? What, let's say, just hypothetically, you moved him to uh, Orlando and you got back Vucevic.
2: I don't think you need Vucevic. You know, I I think that's the same issue that I'm having with Stephen Adams being down there. Now, if you're talking about Vucevic, much more of a stretch big, though. Yeah, that's true, too. But. Yeah, that that might be. I'm really just
0: trying to think of stretch bigs that you can get back along with somebody else in a package for Brandon Ingram to kind of start building the team out. I mean, I I think that even that deal, I don't know if it exists right now. I'm well, I mean, I think if you
2: send Brandon Ingram to Orlando, that'd be a perfect spot for him. Um, I will say that, but maybe you know, maybe Roosevelt can work. I don't know, I have to think about that, but a stretch big probably would benefit Zion a lot more than somebody like Stephen Adams who would to be right up under the basket and be effective. But Lucevic in New Orleans, that that'd be tough. That'd definitely be tough. If I'm I would probably I would definitely make that trade if I'm the Pelicans. I don't know Orlando something about that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Man, another another player that's hot. Mm-hmm. Started only 14 games since being implemented in the starting lineup down in Charlotte due to Devontae Graham's injury. LaMelo Ball is at 23 points, seven rebounds, eight assists per game. Uh, went on the West Coast, some tough road games, put on a show in Phoenix, put on a show in Sacramento, and uh, then went up to Portland and put on a show. And that was a lot of hubbub. A lot of uh, Carmelo Anthony fans have been upset because uh people have been calling LaMelo Mello on social media and uh, so one Mello had a great game. I think he hit 10 straight shots last night. Cooking so people. Cooking people. And we we come back. I mean, we need to talk about that too, but this is what Carmelo Anthony had to say about LaMelo and the name Mello being in the NBA for another 10 to 15 years. Is somebody who gonna be in this game for a long time, so that the name Mello, you guys might as well
2: continue getting you getting used to that, or, <laughs> or stay with it. Um, I don't, I don't get into that
0: though. You know, it's it's for me, it's a respect thing. It's a, it's an honor, you know, for 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 him to have that name, for him to uh, embrace it. It's a, it's an honor, it's a blessing, it's a respect thing for me. So, um, I embrace him. You know,
2: I I I I embrace him.
0: Yo, the first thing I want to say is, man, he stood next to melo and might have been like... Head's shorter, head's there. shorter That's, the, you know, the kid is 19. If he grows, this kid might get to like, what, 6'10"? And, you know, look, I hear a lot of people saying like they're surprised at what this kid is doing. I'm, honestly, I'm not. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. I knew he knew no. how to play the game. The only thing I was really worried about was his shot. And, you know, once he was inserted into the starting lineup, uh, his three-point percentage went from uh, 32% up to now he's shooting 42% from the three in the starting lineup. And Charlotte's playing well. They're in the playoff hunt. How big would it be for Charlotte and the ball brand if uh, this kid leads them to the playoffs? I mean, I was high on Melo from the gate, man.
2: I don't think the only thing I'm mad at is the Bulls missed on him. Like, can you imagine him being in Chicago with Zach Levine right now?
0: Would that be what, is that something you think they'll regret moving forward? I mean, one nothing they could do about it. They just yeah.
2: they just had <laughs> they had one pick too late. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's all that was. Bulls got to uh, regrets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, any of those. Um,
0: so, <laughs> do you think the Golden State or Minnesota will have regrets?
2: No. Well, maybe Minnesota, but I mean, no. Anthony Edwards has been not. Well, no, I don't know. Nah, No, I don't know. Cause yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> they, they.
0: I think Minnesota probably more than Golden State because I mean, Wiseman is. I think. I mean, Wiseman he wasn't. I mean, question.
2: he wasn't gonna fit in Golden State anyway. Like that's the decision. He would have been stuck on the bench behind Stephen. That was never gonna work. I mean, we're um, talking about
0: Carmelo and Lamelo. Detroit passed on Carmelo, and now you got two teams that passed on LaMelo. I mean, I I think, I think,
2: I like I said, I think if anybody got regrets, it's Minnesota because LaMelo looked like the rookie of the year. Um, and him being playing with Carl Anthony Towns, like it's it's just another one of those situations of you got two people who need the ball to be effective. Um, but I mean, as far as Charlotte, you
0: you were up front saying. Take the kid and trade D'Angelo. You you were up front. Yeah,
2: easily. And D'Angelo, I mean, he's had his issues. He ain't really played a whole lot this year. Yeah. Um, so Third I mean, yeah, coming. exactly. Right. So, I mean, you know, hindsight is 2020, obviously, but I was saying, hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. The kid was to me was the best player of the draft. Like, no question. I like Anthony Evans, but I mean, but he's showing you everything he's doing. And it's really, it's just really him out there. You know, I mean you got Gordon Hayward, but like he is by far the best player on the team. Like, there's no question about that. You're being disrespectful to Scary Terry, bro. I mean, he had a nice little run. He did nothing the last three games, four games. And it just might be the road trip. I don't know, but he yeah. If Devontae Graham is not hurt, Scary Terry's probably not playing like this. He's definitely not getting minutes. minute
0: to be to do that. I don't know. He's had a he's had a decent year. And I think Gordon Hayward has been a, yeah, a very a nice force. Yeah, he's been I a nice force. He's 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 Reggie Jackson to me. <laughs> I C4, like it. C four has it has Lamelo's play, shocked you?
1: Uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I was a little bit worried. The one thing about his game that kid is just a hooper. Like you really can't like give him let him play like he's one of those kids you have to let play you know he's, he's gonna make he's gonna have some turnovers some things because i think the way he sees the game is very unique so he's throwing like passes guys are not accustomed to receiving he's made bismack Biombo like look good not to say anything about bismack Biombo, but bismack beyond nobody could like pass him the ball like really last year this guy's getting him like easy easy looks like at least four like four or five a game so i mean kid play doesn't get rattled confident and he plays freely that could be the detriment of the team sometimes but what one thing that i have liked is they've allowed him room now to grow he had a lot of turnovers i think to the early part of the year, but those are kind of scaled back. And he's just going out there playing, man. And it will be big if, you know, get Charlotte into the playoffs. Um, Like just for how – I won't say how horrible that franchise has been for a while, but I'll definitely say, you know, things are – finally there's an upswing. Like there's a reason to go to like Hornet games now.
2: I mean he's a pro, man. Like he's been playing pro professional basketball since he was what like 17, 16, you know. So it's like you already playing with grown men, you know, you could probably barely bench press a hundred. It's been grown, for, you know? it. He's been grown yeah. for
1: it.
2: Yeah, he's he's been grown to be a professional. And the other thing I always said was he was gonna be the best one. And you can see that, you know what I'm saying? So he's he, he's he's showing and proving that he is definitely the real deal. So I mean, like I said, I'm just mad the Bulls just missed out by one pick, man. If he was in Chicago, forget it.
0: So when you talk about that, and I think C4, we touched on this via text this week. You look at Charlotte and what they have there. And, D.C., you said something on the last podcast when you said, man, really look at the Pelicans roster, what do they really have around Zion? And then we've already talked about the Atlanta Hawks roster. When you look at the young rosters around the league, are you still taking Atlanta over everybody else? Or is the star power and the ceiling of Zion and LaMelo really good enough to make you come off of that? Um, I don't know. A good question like i mean
2: atlanta basically it it's probably a wrap for them this season um new orleans is tough because they just in the west and charlotte they probably got as good a chance as any i mean I, I just think atlanta got off to a bad you know got off to a bad start and it's just kind of too late to recover from that so mm.
0: they sacrificed the season trying to get rid of that coach
2: I don't know if they necessarily sacrificed the season to get rid of the coach. I just think it fell apart. I think they went into, you know, I, I think they just went into it with high expectations. But whatever happened between the start of the season and up until Lord Pierce got fired, who knows? Um I just think I don't think that team is done. But I mean in terms of this season, it might be too late for them to do anything.
1: I think, I mean, they're in the East, so I still think, like you said, if they go on a four-game winning streak, you know, they're right back in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference. And when you look at the way Boston has played, you know, some some say New York is playing a little bit, you know, just above what they, you know, could be. So, I mean, there's still room there. Um, Yeah, New Orleans is tough, definitely being in the West. It's going to take, like, I think maybe like – I would say three to four years, you know, especially when you look at what type of moves that they can make. But when you look at just like the next
0: three to five years in
1: the West, what it's going to look like, it's going to be very hard. Like for New Orleans, like just a crack playoff contention to me, just because how deep it is there. So yeah, I would definitely still take Atlanta.
2: Yeah, let me retract that because I'm on, I'm looking at these records. They 15 to 20, and they're like that's on your game back out of eight. Yeah, so, yeah. Let me let me let me retract that. If if Lloyd Pierce truly was a problem and they had checked out, like I said, Nate McMillan, you know, at the top of the show, Nate McMillan is the winner. Yeah, you know, and if they can buy into what he's doing, and like Chris said, if they win four five in a row, that might start something. So yeah, um. Yeah, let me
0: retract that. I think Atlanta probably can't turn around. You know what? I saw you debating this on Twitter going overseas, today or just being the younger brother, which had more of an impact on the confidence for LaMelo Ball?
2: Going
0: overseas,
2: going overseas, going overseas. I mean, and I mean, he probably always was the better one. You know what I'm saying? Like at the it, like like the boys came up playing against each other. I think you can see very early that Lamelo probably had everything that the other two did. didn't. But that's kind of how it go, right? You know what I'm saying? Like that's you got the weird. oldest. <laughs> that's how it go. Like you got the oldest one. Like you look at the Marberries, right? Like Juju was the best one, but Steph was the baby. He ended up being the one to make it. So is right. because he's seen everything that happened in front of him you know what i'm saying so he knew what to do what not to do you know how to do you know, and work on this game out of that looking at his older brothers um so yeah i i think that's all it was that's just
0: that's just how it go man just imagine man three summers ago the two kids we just talked about zion williamson and lamello ball had the highest viewed e-y-b-l game over the summer in aau out in vegas it was mm. Ridiculous. Oh yeah.
2: It's still. Like I know what
0: those views. I know what
2: time. them. I know what them events is like, man. Like when you get that one big game at the Eybl, you ain't never seen like just crowds of people. You gotta be at that court for the game prior. You know what I'm saying? Because if you fly to Maybe the earlier day, than that, man, you fly yeah. to. I've I, I seen it happen in Dallas, man. Like you. I watched main streets and I'm lucky I kept my seat because the Texas Titans and I forget it's like another team from like Houston that was playing like right after that.
0: Was that a, got, was that the Twins because was that the twins that ended up in Kentucky? No, nah, this is the nah, this, was,
2: this was like two summers ago. Like this oh, right. was like a couple summers ago. That was like the like,
0: squad then. That was like Maxi yeah uh,
2: Yeah. But I was there to watch Tyler Eunice, uh, younger brother, and I was sitting, you know, next to his pops or whatever. So we sitting there, we talking, not paying attention to what's going on. And the next thing you know, like, you could feel like just people just coming. And I'm looking around, like, what's going on? Oh, Texas Titans about to play. And man, I was talking about it was like, so yeah, I know what the AAU situation was like. So yeah, I, 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 I know that game was pretty big in the UAP, yeah.
0: C4, you talk about it. Let's talk about possible coach of the year candidates. We can talk about Money Williams or is it going Definitely. to be Tom Thibodeau. And uh, what Tom Thibodeau has done with the New York Knicks, second overall and defensive, defensive efficiency, uh, number one in the league and points per game given up, which is typical for a Tom Thibodeau-led team to be focused. But the way they're doing it without their defensive ankle, Mitchell Robinson, who has been now injured, And then Taj Gibson has been out the last four games uh, on that defensive interior. And, you know, what he's been able to do, of course, they acquired Derrick Rose. Alfred Payton goes down the injury. Derrick Rose comes in, and uh, he's played very well. And it seems like uh, Tibbs purposely kind of linked him to Emmanuel quickly to kind of mentor him. And the, the season that kid continues to have has been amazing. Uh, do you think Tibbs and the Knicks can keep their spot at the fourth seed and host the first round of the NBA playoffs as it stands today? Uh, what I will say about Tibbs is oh.
2: – oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say the one thing I can say about Tibbs is, I mean, he can make anybody not look like a bum. You know what I'm saying? Look at R.J. Barrett, man. Like, you know, he got that kid looking good, but that – all Tim's needs is a group of guys that's going to buy into what he's talking about mm-hmm. and what he's doing. That's all he needs, you know. And, you know, you, you talk about Derrick Rose's impact on Emmanuel quickly. Derrick is there to impact that entire team. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like, you are with Derrick Rose, the youngest MVP ever, and the man responsible for that is your head coach. And everybody around the league respect. you know, D. Rose, you know, every a lot of these guys that he's playing with watched him, you know, growing up. They saw the MVP season, so they know all about that. And so they just needed guys to come in and kind of reinforce, you know, everything that Tibbs is about. And we know that Tibbs is the winner, like without question. He's won everywhere he's been. Um, so when you talk
1: about
2: like, hey, real conversation, most definitely Tom though.
1: Yeah, he definitely definitely belongs in that um conversation. Um, I mean when you just look at the Knicks as a franchise the last 10 years, you know, now you have just a group of like, nobody would have looked at this roster at the beginning of the year and thought they would be, you know, at the top of the East, you know, right now at this point in the season. But one thing Tibbs does do is he gets guys to buy in, you know, whether that wanes or not, as it gets towards like year three and year four, doesn't really matter. But right now, like those, all those guys are playing for each other and that's, one of Tom's like just unwavering traits is he's able to get you to focus, lock in, be accountable. I mean, there's a little bit of Doc Rivers to, to uh, Tom Tibble a little, bit, but I'm not surprised really at all because I watched a lot of the Knicks the beginning of the year. And I've seen some of the things that he, he had them doing defensively, which goes back to what, you know, he had uh, the big three doing it in mm-hmm. Boston. So there's a lot of similarities um, to like some of the defensive principles that carried over from that time. But, I mean, it's, it's been fun to see. I mean, that team that's actually fun to watch too, which is um, like you wouldn't expect it because you look at that team and you're like, man, who, who can I watch? Like who, mm-hmm. who's the draw there? I mean, is it Julius Randle? Like, his game isn't sexy by far at all. But, I mean, this is a team that plays hard. They play together. They get out and run. They defend. I mean, and it's it's basically a Tom Thibodeau coach team. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's having
0: a ball, too. Man, that pick and roll with D. Rose and Julius Randle is just wrecking shop right now, especially with the ability of Julius Randle to step out to that three-point line and consistently knock down shots. And like you said, you know – a lot of fans, we can just go ahead and uh, talk about who's been big mad with BC right now because it goes right in line with the Knicks. Knicks fans were jumping all over BC saying he was wrong and he missed on what the Knicks would do this year and he missed on who R.J. Barrett was. I guess they've seen something from R.J. Barrett to where he's become a star. I do remember a lot of people saying R.J. Barrett would be better than Zion William- Williamson, though. Man, I remember those people. And the only thing I missed
2: on is... The Knicks being good, but I you know, I kind of underestimate the tears. Well, RJ Barrett is still trash, huh? no, 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 no. Look, Look
0: I, if, I think the back end of that of everything that happened in Minnesota kind of uh, pulled people away from the head coach that Tom Thibodeau is, because the way things went down between Jimmy Butler, Carl, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and, and Andrew Wiggins. But I think it was proven that the fact that he was able to lead them to the playoffs in that series with Houston his first season showed the type of coach he was and things just went haywire after that, because, you know, they weren't ready. Those youngsters weren't ready to step up to the challenge of what Jimmy was asking them to do and what Jimmy yeah. was willing to play, the level uh, that he was willing to play at. Well, I mean, Tibbs is going to always be a victim of narrative,
2: right? They're going to always blame him for, you know, guys getting hurt and wearing down. I personally don't believe that, Um, but that's, you know, that's just what it is. So, that's the only thing that he's going to be faced with, you know, forever. And I think it's wrong. I think what Chris said was true, though. It's like, you know, eventually he's probably going to wear out his welcome in New York. Like he, he, he's going to grind those guys down to, you know, nothing at some point. But when you look up, they're going to win like 150 games. You know what I'm saying? Probably more than that. So, you know, it's a trade off there. But I think he's a very good coach. And I think he's a, I think his strongest suit is in player development. Everybody he's got his hands on, he's made better. If you had even like a semblance of talent, you know, he was gonna turn you into something. And um, you know, so Tibbs is my guy, man. Like I ain't, you know, I ain't got nothing bad to say about him ever. You know, the fact that he's in New York and winning, which I'm also a Knicks fan. Like people think I hate the Knicks because of what I said. No, I've always liked the Knicks, and I want to see them do well. And with a guy like Tibbs in there and Derrick Rose, that just makes it even better for me. So I enjoy it, but I am not sold on R.J. Barrett, and I'm still not sold on O.B. Top. And that is not going to (laughs) change.
0: The podcast, according to sources, right here, A2S Network. I got my guys Chris Case and Brian Crawford with me running the wings. You know, you talk about Tom Thibodeau's go to the Western Conference uh the head coach that we saw it in the NBA bubble. Uh, the run that the Phoenix Suns went on in the NBA bubble and barely missing the opportunity to enter into the playoffs. But the culture was changed and the tone was set. And then they go out they, the acquisition of Chris Paul to bring in the leadership and to go ahead and help Devin Booker out. Uh, Devin Booker eventually made the all-star team after uh, being snubbed initially. Two years in a row. Yeah, two years in a row. As I said before, a lot of people had issues with Zion making a team before him. But what this team has been able to do and the culture change that Monty Williams brought starting last year in the NBA bubble, you know, how impressive has it been? And then, you know, would you put him above Tom Thibodeau in the coach of the year race right now? Probably. Probably.
2: Um. And I say that because like Phoenix, like you saw it going back into the bubble, what they want, like eight in a row. Yeah. Um, so like you kind of saw it building up to that. Like, but you know, whatever Monty Williams is doing over there, those guys have bought in, you know, about as much as they, you know, have in New York under tiers. The the difference is they're doing it in the West, which is so much tougher. Um, and it's also a testament to Chris Paul. I think. I saw something, it's like Chris Paul, every team he's been, on, like, Chris Paul has never missed the playoffs on any team he's ever been on. Um, And so it's a testament to him too. And like he said, you know, I saw an interview he did the other day, you know, when he said he claimed, you know, he came to Phoenix to play with Devin Booker. And so I think all of that, you know, kind of probably puts Monty Williams at the head of that coach of the year race. You know, just because you know it's phoenix you know they just kind of been like they ain't even really been on the cusp like you could see it building but like you, I mean, they 11, never really 11 and they 10, never got over the hump. 14. yeah yeah you know what i'm saying like they like you saw like they got the pieces but they never got over the hump so you know like i said it's just a you know it's a testament to those guys playing well on the money you know they don't have like no friction they know issues on their team you know they got those guys that's going out there and hooping. They understand who the man is um and then, you know, you got a guy like Chris Paul who is a veteran, like, calming influence on that team who can help everybody on that squad get better. The the player that I still have concerns about is DeAndre Ayton. I think he got a lot of talent. I think he has a lot of ability, but he still kind of quite hasn't put it together just yet. But if it ever clicks one, him, the Phoenix is going to be a problem. But, you know, again, in that it, and that coach of the year conversation is probably Monty Williams. Like, if they can keep this going, yeah, he'll, he'll win it. I, I don't think it'll be a question.
1: Yeah, to me, he's uh, number one. Uh, I, I would say one, to me, like 1A. I still, if we're talking about right now, I still put Quinn Snyder. Like, as a coach of the year favorite for what Utah's uh, done so far to this point, but I mean, when you look at the culture in Phoenix, how it's been changed, the last, I would say three years when uh, James Jones got over there and he took over and he started making some changes, um, it's been tremendous. I mean, going back, I think Money is the right coach for there, I think he's like probably along with Devin Booker, the main reason Chris Paul wanted to go to Phoenix, because you look at where Chris Paul is at in his career, Say Monty Williams wouldn't have been over there, but Devin Booker is still doing what he's doing. I doubt he wants to go to Phoenix if it's another coach. I mean, he'd already had experience with Monty in New Orleans, so it's just like a match made in heaven. And what he's been able to do, I think, just so far in Phoenix is getting guys to be accountable because it's still like a fairly young team just outside of him, but making guys accountable, putting guys in the right position um, to make sure they're successful. And like BC says, I, I do have, like, I'm just still trying to see what Aiden is going to be. And it's kind of hard when you're a talented big, but the offense isn't catered to you. You're pretty much now, instead of having the ball dumped down to you, you're spending most of your time setting screens or, you know, rolling to the rim. You know, and for a lot of these guys that have been the man all throughout high school, like one year of college, that's, I don't think is talked about enough how big an adjustment that is for a big to go from, you know, getting the ball dumped down to him being the feature guy to now setting 40 screens, you know, a game, you know, constantly rolling to the rim. You might not see the ball four or five times down the floor, but you know, you still got to protect the rim. You still got to roll to the rim hard, set solid screens. So I'm still waiting to see what he can become, but the talent is there. I mean, and I think Phoenix will keep up, you know, the place this far, you know, just with uh health permitting.
2: That boy, that boy looking like Miles Turner
0: 2.0. <laughs> the podcast according to sources. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> hey, you said it, Quinn Snyder. Uh, right now, the best record in the NBA. I don't know how that game with Philadelphia turned out. It was a great game. Nail-botter going down to the last 30 seconds. It was a two-point game. And uh <clears throat> best record in the NBA. Uh, I believe they... uh In the month of February, they had a record of what, twelve and two. Yeah, they had a record of twelve and two. They're holding on to the number one seed in the West, and uh, Utah is the only team in the NBA top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. So, like you said, Quinn Snyder's done an incredible job. C four, we saw this firsthand at the United Center, and this run, this recent run, eleven and two in the month of February for the Phoenix Suns. They are a plus nine in the fourth quarter. Like, they're winning these games in the fourth quarter. And we saw mm-hmm. that comeback against the Chicago Bulls. where well, the Bulls outplayed Phoenix for three quarters, and then all of a sudden Phoenix just turned it on. We saw it even last night, even though they were neck and neck with the Lakers. Uh, and we'll get to the ejection of Devin Booker in that game, which was strange. But Cam Johnson came in, and, and they just went on a run in the fourth quarter and stretched it out on the Lakers, and the Lakers would never never recover. So is that really about the maturation of Devin Booker, or is that the leadership of Chris Paul you're starting to see with this team, with them being able to win the fourth quarters the way they are? Oh, that's Chris Paul all day.
2: Without question, that's Chris, Chris Paul. He's been there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's he's been in them situations, so he can tell guys – where to be, how to go, you know, how to respond. And you know, when you got a young team like that, it's one thing when you're trying to just figure it all out, out on your own. And it's another thing when you got a vet, and not just any vet, but somebody that you respect. Um, who, like I said, who can tell everybody in that locker room, regardless of what position they play, what they're supposed to be at the moment they're supposed to be there, and what they're supposed to do in those situations. So, you know, it's it's like having two coaches on the floor. You know what I'm saying? You got Monty Williams over there, and then you got Chris Paul. You know, when everything is moving fast and changing,
0: he can calm you down and, you know, and tell you what's going on. So that fourth quarter stuff, that's all Chris Paul. Right there. And when I said plus nine, that's plus nine per game in the fourth quarter, not a total plus nine in fourth quarters during that stretch of 11-2 and two in the month of February.
1: Yeah, I mean this. This goes. This is what Chris Paul does. I mean, we even you go back to last season, what he did in Oklahoma. I think he was, I think the number one like clutch player, which I think they define as just like the last five minutes of the game. I believe he was like tops in the league, you know, just at that. I mean, Chris Paul controls. That's that's Chris Paul time. I mean, when it's time to control the game, slow things down, get guys in the right spots, and execute. Like offensively, I mean, Chris Paul, I think, still, like, might have slowed down as far as, like, speed, but there may, other than LeBron, maybe Rondo, when we talk about guys who can think the game, I think he's he's right up there with any other greats in terms of, like, just the way he sees the game, the way he thinks the game. So it's not surprising at all that Phoenix is in this
0: position. All right man, we get ready to get out of here man. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you guys watching out there. This op- this episode will be uh available on YouTube immediately after the show uh in its entirety. Uh, as we get ready to close it out, I want to talk about oh, before that, we talked about the ejection. I want to play these comments from Devin Booker. He talked about what uh what led to the ejection and who he was snapping on a lot of people assume that he was fouled, uh, he fouled Dennis Schroeder, and they thought it was a back and forth between him and Dennis Schroeder. But he went on to explain what really happened uh, and why he felt like he had to say something that ultimately led to his ejection.
2: ACP say something to you yeah. from the
1: Matthew. No. <clears throat> no, I was one of the coaches. Really? Yeah. But I, I, know, I know a lot of those guys over there. I know Luke, Miles, um, B. Shaw. It wasn't any of them, so... I didn't know who it was,
2: the guy. what did they say? Can you repeat it? I'm not here to tell on anybody. But yeah, I mean, you got
1: pretty upset to walk from half court towards the bench.
2: Yeah, I mean, if
1: you're not my coach,
2: I don't know you. You know, don't say anything to me.
0: So there's Devin Booker on uh, why he was so upset what ultimately led to his ejection, which was a strange ejection, uh, receiving two technical fouls back to back. And he was chirping with one of the officials on a couple of foul calls early in the first quarter there as well. So uh, strange ejection. But, you know, how do you guys feel about that, man? It's like especially with the fans not being there. And uh, I see it a lot in the college game where you can literally hear what the players are saying on the bench and they're letting out these screams. If you watch Illinois, every time they hit a three, you hear them say, boom, really loud. Um so now, you know, what coaches say on the sidelines, I heard even more about the players on the court. So where where is crossing the line when it comes to coaches saying things to players on the court, or is that just part of the game, period? It's part Man, of the game. Like, yeah, it's part yeah. of the game. Like one of my, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, it's been part of the
1: game. I think now is, I think there was a game against Washington and Boston where literally you had Brad Stevenson's calling – What he's up, all the coaches are yelling what this last second play is. And basically it forces Bill into like a tough shot. Boston wins the game. This stuff happens. But now with, if you only got, you know, 200 fans in attendance, you can hear everything now. So yeah, I just want one of those situations now where if you're a a pro, like you really shouldn't be worried about what some assistant coaches are saying, unless it gets to a point where it's just pure – it, it had to be something that was purely disrespectful in order for Devin Booker to take his attention off of the game to go over there and say something. So yeah, but this stuff happens all all the time. He probably said something about Kylie. Um <laughs> but uh, you <laughs> know
0: it's yeah, no, no
2: he probably did. Um, but it's funny because I was having a conversation like one of my best friends is a coach, and we was talking about just like how bad referees are like, and not just like at, you know, the college level or, you know, whatever like that, but just like across the board, like referees are just bad. And they're bad at doing their job, you know, properly, you know? And, and so it's one of those situations where, yeah, you can hear everything in the arena because like they basically empty now, but you've heard all this stuff before. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, this is not new to you. If you, if you breathed an NBA game, if you sat close to an NBA game, man, it's talking to go on the entire, you know what I'm saying, 48 minutes. I'm talking about disrespectful stuff, too. Yeah, hear it, you see it. You know what I'm saying? So it it shouldn't really make a difference because there's fewer people in there. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. And then this is why I think the league gets involved because it is fewer people in there um, and, you know, the action, like the, the, the viewing action is really on the court now. You know, they're trying to crack down on certain things, but yeah, no, nice nah, like, how you gonna eject that kid for that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's that's crazy. My,
1: my thing is always like, why the reporters ask, well, what did he say? We when have, didn't when have a player ever answered that question. Like, honestly, like, hey, what did he say to you? Like, right. I hate that question. Or,
2: or even on the record, you know, you might find out later yeah. what happened, yeah. Right? Yeah. But you, like in that particular moment, no, they're not about to answer that question. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like the Jeremy Lin thing. Like, and I, I don't know how true it is. I mean, I, I it probably did happen, but like, you're going to ask this man, like, who said it?
0: Like, who people, said
2: like, it? Like, Yeah, like, nah, they, they no, the <laughs> right, exactly. like, nah, they're not going to do that. Right, exactly. you know, they're not going to do that, man. And for you to even ask that question, just make like a good reporters' jobs even harder. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, don't, don't do that, man.
1: That's man, I'm pretty sure Jeremy Lin has heard way, way worse.
2: Way worse than yeah, it. I mean, but, way worse. I mean, it, well, probably not. You know what I'm saying? Because this <laughs> no, is. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's been worse. Um, no, okay. I, well, yeah, maybe, but I mean, you. Come on, man. Like, he is. Yeah, nah, he, he probably hasn't heard worse
0: because. If he'd heard words, we'd have heard about that. This is probably the worst he's ever heard, which is why this story come out. So, yeah, we talked about it earlier in the show today. A very important day in the business side of the NBA marks uh, when a dozen free agents signed in the offseason. They're now eligible to be a part of trades as the trading deadline is coming upon us and also trade exemptions. Certain things Boston Celtics 28.5 million for them, OKC 27.3. And a 19.5 million trade exemption. The Nuggets have a 9.6 million. The Sixers have an 8.2. The Heat have a 7.6 million But they can acquire a player without sending back via trade now uh, because of uh, previously created trade exemptions. Golden uh, State Warriors have a 9.25. So that's just some information out there uh, in lieu of the approaching trade deadline. Let's end it up, man, with a special number here in Chicago in the hearts of Chicago fans. Number 13, Joe Noah announced his retirement from the NBA and said that he wanted to retire a Chicago bull. We look forward to the Chicago Bulls, however they want to handle that. Uh we look forward to
1: the do it better than, they got it, they gotta do it better than they with whatever they did for Luau absolutely yeah they gotta they gotta they, they gotta make this one like right especially what oh. joe means to that organization this city yeah. the fans like they got to make this one right
0: man I, bc's conversation with joe keem is already a gif which is like <laughs> amazing to me uh, my question to you guys simply we know how much we love joe keem we know how much how beloved he is in the city of chicago Will the number thirteen hang in the rafters at the UC? Probably not. Probably not. Now,
2: yeah. should it? Yeah.
0: Should it? Yeah.
2: Will it? It's the Bulls, man. Yeah. You know, if, that, there's, if there's questions around hanging Derek's number one, yeah. yeah, you know it. It 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 really ain't no hope for Joe Kane for real. But, I mean, it's not because he don't deserve it. It's just because it's the Bulls.
1: I, yeah, that's a tough one because I'm not even looking at, you know, what he did here. I just look at, you know, the names that are already up there. You know, so I think he definitely deserves to have his number uh, retired. Just, I mean, when you look at what the, what the Bulls are – in terms of like culture, what they've tried to embody themselves um, on after, you know, the Jordan years, Joe was dead. Like there were so many times that Joe played hurt when he shouldn't have been playing. I mean, he had plantar fasciitis, he had ankle issues, like shoulder issue. There was a lot of times where like, as a reporter, you never was like, Hey, why you don't need to play. But Joe is built, built different. So I think he definitely deserves to have his Jersey hanging up there, but like like BC said, it's the bull. So they historically have shown like just what guys, guys normally leave this organization with like a sour, a bad taste in their mouth. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully Joe is the one that can help change all of that. Because I think if Joe number goes up there or I think Derek follows, after that, when when his career said and done, but I just look at how they did Luau, and I was like, yeah, you gotta you gotta do Joe like a little bit uh, more service than they did Luau. Y'all get him in a y'all get him in a spinal tap in the middle of the yeah almost band, uh, go,
2: hey almost, <laughs> almost almost killed, almost him. killed the man. man and y'all gonna send him you know it, that was y'all parting gift to him to do that yeah nah man it, it, look they, don't, so, they well, don't they don't they don't treat people right.
0: If that's the case, then they might as well wait until next <laughs> season when we have full full fan of participation for Joe's ceremony. If you're going to do it right, mm-hmm. you know, let him retire. Let him do a press conference virtually. And then, you know, just have his big night, you know, that first month when you come back in the fall.
2: You can't do nothing virtually with Joe, man. The people going to have no, to be there. not yeah. at all. Yeah. Joe is Peter, all about The that. people going to have to be Joe there. Joe is all about, about going to have to be there.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think they should wait. I think he should definitely retire, sign a one-day contract, retire a Chicago Bull, uh get his moment next season in the fall, and then um see that 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 jersey being raised
2: man, it, You know what? It's crazy, man, because I, I had tweeted this the other day. I'm like, I think I, I was responsible for the only feature that he's ever had in slam. And I just found that check, man. Like, I, I just seen the check. Man, I didn't I ain't make no bread from that. Like, so that probably owed me some money, man, for real. You got to go back <laughs> and Yeah. I looked at that. I was like, hey, but, I mean. Hey, when and I got
1: Susan, it in you know, the email.
2: You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it was like, I right, whatever, you know. And I was grateful to be in the magazine. I'm on the triple. But, man, like, that's, like, my one of my favorite people and one of my favorite players. And he did an interview. You know, probably like a couple weeks after the you know the whole who wants the vacation in Cleveland thing, yeah. um, you know, the whole uh, you know, the, the loss to the Cavs in Cleveland on the road. They fly back the next night, they got exit meetings, you know what I'm saying? And he sat down with me and he chopped it up. So now nah, I mean, like I know it's definitely number 13 definitely deserves to be retired in Chicago. Like there's no question about that.
1: Yeah, Give me I mean, one just, thing.
0: Go ahead, C4. Go
1: no, i say just with, forget what he did, like, just on the court. We all know about that. But the stuff he did around the community.
0: Joe yeah. would be on the
1: west side of Chicago with no security, with, with you know, a jewelry on, ragged shirt like, just kicking it. Like, people pulling up, you know, like, Joe, you're not supposed to be over here. Joe is about the people, man. So I think he his number definitely needs to be like in the rafters.
2: Man, it's 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 like a little community center or something like that, like around the corner from the United Center, man. We was over there one day, and like Joe was in there with them kids, like the kids knew him. You know what I'm saying? Like he was around, like he wasn't just. Man, I've seen like pictures of Joe like in like in New York on the streets, like way before cab. You know what I'm saying? Like he was. Like, for as big of an athlete and a personality, I mean, and in his own right, like, a superstar that he was, like, he was always grounded. So, I mean, like, you know, like Chris said, just for that alone, like, the, the impact that he made in Chicago, like, when all of the killings and everything, like, you know, he was on the south side of St. Sabina at them games, you know, mm-hmm. at, at Father Flagg's Church. Like, a, you know, like Chris said, he was on the west side. Like, you seen Joaquin Noah. Like, he wasn't. You could reach him, you could touch him, you could talk to him, and he was happy to do that. You know what I'm saying? So, man, that it's a special dude. Like you don't you don't meet too many people like that, you know. And it was it was an honor to have covered that team. I, I still think that is probably one of the the when you talk about putting a team together. That is like one of the the, the most
0: perfectly assembled teams I've probably ever seen up in my life. Give me the one game you're gonna put it in a time capsule for somebody to find 50 years from now in Chicago to let them know who Joaquin Noah was? Um, a or a
1: moment. For me, it was, um, it's probably, it's probably. I can't remember what game this was, but it was against the, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, the Bulls had no business winning The game or that series at all? I think it might have been a game five
0: or something. I know it's game seven up in Brooklyn.
1: I don't know if it was a game
0: seven, but it was was definitely a series-ending game up in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it may be a game before that. I just remember a stat line was something like like twenty-three points. I think he had like sixteen rebounds, six blocks, or something like that. I mean, he basically will you know that team. But when you talk about any game, or game, like, that's what it's about. It's just that energy, like, it was unmatched. I mean, he was essentially, like, uh, trying to think of – you could basically just – I would say Rodman almost. I mean, just that energy. It was infectious. And that that Brooklyn game, and then it was uh, – I can't remember what game it was against uh, the Boston Celtics. Um but yeah, that Brooklyn game probably is it for me. Oh, uh, for me,
2: it's probably gonna be the game where he made uh, uh, John Paxton and the Vinny Del Negro fight. <laughs> like that was the game. Like the minute I'm talking about, yeah. Like his plantar fasciitis was bad, bro. Like it was bad. He couldn't even walk. Nah. No. and. Like he stayed out there in that game, man, and helped them boys win. And and, in them Lake Hawk sportifs, he was rocking. His feet was dogs was barking, and John Paxson came down there, man. I'm talking about fire red heat. And like it was, it was, but it wasn't really Vinnie Del Negro's fault. He couldn't take Joe Kim out of the game. Like he would, he was not coming out of that game. Minute restrictions are nothing. Like he was not coming out of that game. That was – they they won, like, 10 or, like, they last 11 games to make the playoffs. Actually, yeah, that was the game. That's how I ended up doing that story. But, yeah, they had to – like, they went on, like, this stupid streak, bro, like, to win, like, like just to make the playoffs. And this was in, like, the, when the time, like, Joaquin had already missed, like, 11 games, like, with the plan of plantar fasciitis. So, for him to come back and, like, he – Casey Johnson said it best. Like Joe King Noah like gets it, and I'm talking about, and that's just like in everything. Was dealing with the media, dealing with teammates, or you know anything going out there on that floor. He gets it. He understands what each moment calls for. He steps up to that. So yeah, that's that's gonna be the game for me because it was like I think they was playing like Phoenix or something like that. You know what I'm like, and they were down and like they won that game because he never came out of it. So yeah. That yeah. was
0: it. Yeah, C4, that game was uh May 3rd, 2013, game seven uh against Brooklyn on the road, 24, 14, and 8 for Joe King <laughs> Noah. Yep. Yeah. So was that that was the same series with uh was that the same series Nate went off? Nate Rod,
1: yep.
2: Yeah. And that was also the year, that was also the year they ran everything through Joe.
1: They were yeah. every time yeah.
2: they read everything through him. Like that's how he was getting all them assists like that. You know what I'm saying? Like he yeah, could triple doubles. Like, Yeah. Like it's it's not many players, particularly at that particular size, that can do stuff like that. And then we look at him and you look at him and like, oh, he
0: don't have no skill. And Joe King can literally do everything except shoot. It's He's funny just, because that's what he did for Florida. That's the same way Billy Donovan used Joe King, man. That that the two national championships teams could have made him a lottery pick because teams, big bigs in college couldn't defend him on the perimeter. And when Tom when Tom Thibodeau figured out that he could run his offense through Joe King,
2: putting him at the top of the key, and he could, I mean, he could could initiate everything for right there. It was over. Forget, like I knew right then. That's when Joe King was special.
0: Well. Even if they don't raise it at the UC, we'll raise it here tonight. The number 13 banner goes up in the A2S rafters for sure. Oh, he was respecting in the streets for real. Man, salute to Joaquin Noah. He deserves every piece of love and gratitude that he gets from this day forward, especially in the city of Chicago. Last but not least, Paul, we let you go. Imani Bates, 2022 number one player in the nation has already announced to Tom Izzo on Michigan State that he's going to forego college and go join the elite team in the NBA G League. Uh, Jalen Green, uh, Kaminga, and also Jayshon Nix are three of the guys that did that from last year, and they're playing right now on uh, that team. They're actually, I think they're in third place in the G League. Uh, Right now they sit at seven and four on the season, uh, Camiga and Jalen green have pretty much solidified themselves as top 10 picks mm-hmm. with their play. And Deshaun Nix might be the back end of the lottery, but he'll definitely be in the first round. So what do you think about, uh, Imani Bates making this move, uh, before he he didn't even have to say anything because he's not coming out to next year. He doesn't have to declare exactly until this fall or early in 2022. Um, Is this another sign that the NCAA and the direction it's going is in trouble, even though it looks like they're changing uh, with the uh, announcement of EA bringing that college football game back, the legislation is there for players to receive compensation for their likeness, Um, and that legislation is coming down the pipe? Is it too soon? Is it just a matter of just being too late for the NCAA and the the, uh, horses out the barn now with these players going to the G League? I mean, why go play for free when
2: well, you can make some money, like like and make some real money? I, being able to get paid on off of your likeness is not the same as signing a professional contract and everything that comes along with that. Um, you know, and it's, it's like I said on Facebook today. Eventually, the NCAA is gonna have to start paying players because yep. when well, you got it, you know what I'm saying. When well, you gotta got a guy like Amani Bates, but is he still a junior, right? Still a junior, yeah. Still a junior number one player in high school basketball, and he ain't even in his senior year of high school. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're the number one player in the country. If enough of those players start saying, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the G League or I'm going to go overseas or whatever like that, the NCAA going to have to, re, you know, they're going to have to re-look, you know, relook at some things like that. That slave model yeah. of, you know, coming over here and, and playing for the name of the jersey, that's dead. That this coach honor. That
0: coach model?
2: Yeah, that's over with man. Like you
0: like, is you it fair have to say, say it is is it fair to say Coach Cal created the first G League in Kentucky? The mentality without the pay? I mean, I don't know. I mean,
2: no, I ain't gonna say that because North Carolina had the same kind of whip. They was getting the same kind of players, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It was same kind of thing. I think it's just I think a a guy like Brandon Jennings, like really started it, you mm-hmm. know. But, I mean, and, and, and being a little guard, you know, right. that could say, like, you know, I don't have to go to college. I can go here and make some money, you know. And once that kind of opened the door, because, like, y'all remember, like, Europe wasn't really wide open to American players like that. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, you can only have, like, one or two guys from America, you know, from America that's playing on them European teams, and right. everybody else had to be from Europe and over the hoop over there. Well, now it's a little bit different, you know, like now everything is wide open. Europe will take as many players as they gonna send them, you know, so, and these kids, they know that, you know, like they understand that like it's a business now. Why the hell am I gonna go to school? I'm trying to get out of high school. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm tired of going to class. You mean to tell me I still gotta go to class for another year before I can get to this bread? No, I can go over here and make a half a million dollars, a million, million and a half, whatever. I think the G League, what is it, like the elite team, how much is the highest player you play, again making? Like 100 grand, something like that? Like
0: 100, yeah.
2: yeah 100, like 100 grand? Yeah, something like that. I mean, look, 100 grand to stay at the crib. You ain't got to go. You ain't got to get your passport stamped. You stay local. Your people can still see you play. You're making $100,000. And if you kill, the next year, you're going to get drafted into the league. I think the elite team is based in Cali, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like, like I said, at the end of the day, it comes down to I am tired of going to school. You know what I'm saying? I'm good enough to be able to make some money. Yeah. Let me cash in on my talent. And the NCAA, they might be in trouble. Like, that, that likeness stuff might be cool for them. One and two star players, three star guys, maybe some of those guys. Well, it's
0: definitely worth it for football because you you can't leave it until your third year anyway. Yeah. For football.
2: Which I think is probably the right thing. But basketball, it don't run like that. Right. It really right. don't run like that. Like you can be good enough at 19, 18 years old to go in there and, you know, and stick and stay. So, yeah. Like, NCAA basketball is about to change big
0: time. Success of Lamelo Ball is pretty much well. Yeah, I mean, on it that is a pathway. He's the modern day Brandon Jennings. Like, like
2: a lot of these kids coming up now, they don't know who Brandon Jennings is, and that wasn't right. that long ago, right? But they definitely know who Lamelo Ball is, and they know Lamelo Ball been Cast checks since he was like
1: seventeen. Facts. C four. Yeah, I agree fully. I think the NCAA is just going to have to change. Um, they're going to have to have, like, some very uncomfortable conversations with them because, you know, their whole thinking is just the bottom line. How You can't have March Madness if, you know, without – you got to have – school pride is one thing, but we're all tuning into March Madness to see players. all. Oh, and if you don't have, like, those four or five-star guys, those guys start matriculating to the G League, Now going over the seas, then suddenly now your bottom line is affected. So NCAA is just going to have to do some deep diving just to see how they can kind of come up with some solution to get these guys, um, you know, paid. At least if not up to the extent that the G League is paying the top guys, at least something, you know, that's, you know, worth keeping the kid in school for a year.
2: And, you know, and the other thing is they're working off the old models. You know, yep. like we was coming up, we was all about the brand, you know what I'm saying? So we was about the team. Right. Now, man, these kids are following their you know, favorite players. They don't give damn was on no the team no more. So why am I watching North Carolina and North Carolina don't have nobody that I know on their team to make me watch them? I'm not gonna watch it just because of North Carolina. You know, I watch the Illinois Michigan game. Like, yeah, I'm gonna watch Illinois, Michigan, because I know you know how far back that rivalry go. I'm looking at that, you know. I'm looking at the team. There ain't really nobody on there, you know, what I'm saying that ain't really like no big name marquee players that's on that team that is gonna make somebody watch
0: it And that's so to the I, national landscape, too. I mean, when you look at the race for a player of the year, and you got like Io and Luka Garza at the top, like there, there's no real true superstars in college no. in basketball, and there are no more superstar teams. I guess the last superstar team. Might be the Zion Williamson team at Duke. That might end up being the last superstar team we see in college basketball.
2: I mean, there's no more real superstar players anymore, neither. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might got one or two guys, and then everybody else is just like, you know, like the the playing field is really flat right now. Yeah. So, you know, college basketball is basically going to be in a bidding war for these, you know, for these top tier guys. And the only way you can get to a bidding war is if you got some bread, man. Yeah, like, you go, you go like the bag ain't got it can't be under the table no more. It's got to be right out front. Yeah,
0: just make the what,
2: bag legit. Now what are you gonna offer me to pass up going to play professionally
0: to come to, come to class for another year? Right. Because telling me to pay my tuition, that's not enough. Mm-mm. Especially, nah, when, yep. especially when I, what I do on the court pays the tuition and funds the rest of this athletic department. Right. I'm playing for I'm playing for
2: sneakers and sweatshirts. right you know when when I can make some real paper, that don't make no sense. Mark Emmett and them ain't he still running NCAA. Yeah, Mark Emmett, he's still, he's
0: still running. Yeah, all right. He's gonna have to figure something out. That is the podcast according to sources, man. What's the flavor in your ear before we get out of here? Man, I'm listening. Man, I
2: I stumbled upon this dude, and I ain't know he'd been making some mu- music for this long, but uh, this cat out of New York named UFO Thief. Um, I was listening to, you know, the Conway Big Ghost collab, and it was like, it was in my Apple Music. Big Ghost had work with these dude And um, I listened to it. It was some heat. Followed him on Twitter, gave him a shout out. He followed me back. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm catching up on UFO Thief right now. I put Gino on, um, but yeah, it's uh, the Ghost of Al Beezer. Check that out.
0: Yeah, I saw you I saw you tweet that out, C4. I'm going to check that out. I haven't been listening to nothing, to be honest with you. Been yeah, like you've kinda, been grinding, bro. You've been yeah, putting man, out. Yeah, like, like, bro. So.
1: Yeah, so I haven't gotten a chance to say it. It's a lot of stuff that um, I got, like, wrote down to listen to. But, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to sit down and listen to anything. Right. He's
2: still, get, he still getting merch, though. He's still <laughs> getting
1: merch. We
0: still <laughs>
1: <laughs> IG story lit. Man, they still
2: they still seeding them, my man. He on everybody's seed list. I gotta
1: keep it going. <laughs> you gotta keep it going. That's hey, that's the that's the best
0: perk in this game. Man, uh, shout is. out to my nephew, man. His birthday's today, man. He's twenty two years old. Shout out to my boy JJ. Uh, shout out to uh, little JJ. Uh. On his first varsity basketball game. Man, that game got canceled, man. I'm so mad they gonna play Friday though. They canceled me, the first game Friday for BC son, man, starting point guard on varsity as a freshman. Hey, BC, we old man. <laughs> 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 BC, hey, BC tweeted
1: something. I was like, damn, I was like, how many years is it? I remember yeah. that. I remember it because I I was thinking about that time y'all did the um the Red Bull Rain three on three tournament. I was like, man, how yeah. we go? We go? I was like, how long ago was that? I was just playing one-on-one with this kid. I was like, like, man. I thought about that
2: Red Bull rain the other day when I had a game one That was dope. I thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) We advanced
0: to the second round and got scraped. But, yeah, I helped out. (laughs) So, man, my my, uh, Flaming Ear, my nephew uh, put me up on Coyle Ray. Uh, Decent. Decent, definitely exceeded my expectations because I went in with low expectations. She just happens to be Benzino's daughter. Oh, really? Yeah, really? yeah. New artist, and uh, she she pretty- she have a neck. Yes, she does. Okay, her good. Her story is dope. Her story. Is dope. <laughs> she has a new EP out. Well, it came out last year, and the EP is dope. And her story is dope too because she spent. Uh, she was born into uh, source money. Yeah. You know what I'm and so the first half of her life was like re- really affluent and then you know once everything kind of went downhill she moved back with her mom's and uh in the mud and that created her other alter ego so she had Damn, that, all, that don't that don't look good for benzino and it it doesn't it it doesn't it really <laughs> does and she beefs with him but you know she shows a lot of love to him so um Yo, just check it out and also watch the uh Biggie. I got a story to tell, that was dope. man. It was very, that was dope. super dope. It was very, very good. It's probably the very best well Biggie done. documentary I've ever seen. Yeah, very well done. You start night. to see, uh, I think BC, you said it best like, yo, this kid was 20, putting 24
2: he ever- years old, making that 20 between 22 and 24 years old. He made music that somebody that age should not only not be able to make yeah but it's still timeless to this very day like mm-hmm. if you still listen to Biggie it's like it is going to be good regardless of when you listen to it yeah at 24 years old that's incredible
0: and i think the way they went into his background uh musically not yeah. o- not only from jamaica but you know the uh his mentor down the street that had him going to jazz clubs and listening to jazz music at an early age like these are things i never even thought like damn
2: biggie had a grandmother you
0: right. know what i'm saying like he right. had an uncle you know what right. i'm saying
2: like that type of thing like so yeah and if y'all can get your hands on city of lies which is another movie about Biggie, I don't know if y'all know the story about that but if you can get that if you can get your hands on that movie man watch that because it directly implicates the lapd in his murder and it's the reason why that movie was never released in the United States Check
1: that
0: out. Hey man, how much money y'all got to go buy some bots? Hmm. Hey, I
1: don't I have, I don't, people have, people have a, a I don't have a I don't have a Nike exact credit card. <laughs> man.
2: What What
1: an idiot. It just shows you like what, like, dude, you're making six six figures a year. Like, I think for him, it was just all about bloomberg reached out to us like oh, okay this is a whole business not thinking that hey you know i could cost my mom my job right how old, how old how old is this kid Do we i think 19, 19 or 20. yeah he's young
0: 19. yeah he did exactly what i would expect a 19 year old
1: yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah
0: and like you said well, uh, nike was on to this back in 2018. Uh, just really nothing they could do about it with the evidence they had. Well, here's the thing: the reason the
2: reason they really couldn't do anything about it is because he was not getting the shoes from his mother. The only thing that she did was front the money, and she probably didn't even really know. Un- she knew. I'm gonna say but, she knew. She definitely knew, he, what, wasn't just, what he wasn't just but what he wasn't just dealing in Nikes though. He wasn't yeah, just dealing with Nikes, he was buying it. everything.
1: But what ties it in, what what ties it in is, if you're using like credit card, her credit card to buy bots, to use Nike's sneaker release platform, and then like a lot of things people don't talk about is the swoosh account. This guy admitted to, he was buying out like stocks of shoes that, you know, he knew he could still make a profit off of. So if he's buying like just a whole section of shoes off of like swoosh account, that are marked down from like 30 to 40% off and then reselling them like at a higher value. Like it's like, there's no way. I know people that have been fired from Nike just for being like implicated in something. She actually went to them and say, hey, my son has this reselling business that, that didn't spark an investigation. Like, hey, yeah, you he probably no, should do that. because he but was buying like up, up a too. Lady. Right. He was buying up a he buying True, anything. but still, your, your mom, your mom is a VP. At the thing you're using her credit card, and you're using Nike's platform. You're buying Nike's platform, so it's just it's but like a conflict of interest. But everybody is using
2: bots, though. Like I was telling y'all in the text. Agree. Like my man, my man is like a super sneaker reseller. He put me on the game a long time ago, and it's like everybody is doing it. Like he just had more money than the major players. But the thing about yeah. that is even though his mama, you know, even though he basically implicated his mama and she had to resign and everything like that, the hustle ain't got to stop. Yeah. It don't no, have to stop. He, stop. stop. He, no. could still, he could still make money doing what he's doing because it's not illegal. Like, it's, well, yeah. and it's like I said, it's let, unethical They let her resign, hell. too. Yeah. yeah, they let they, her resign. They let her
1: resign. Yes. So she keeps and then and they
2: up. might quietly, they might quietly yeah. work her back into some other stuff, like as a consultant. And her name won't never be on nothing. Mm-hmm. But you know she been there twenty five years, years, and bro. for her to be there that long, she's very good at what they do. Nike, as long as you stay within this particular box in this line, Nike is gonna be good with you. So yeah, it, it ain't over for her. The kid was just stupid. Like at the end of the day, he was just dumb. Like he was clout chasing. Yeah. And that's you know, and he's just a stupid kid, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could see a 19-year-old doing that, I can absolutely see it. But man, it's a it's a dirty game. Like I said, he he is the man on StockX. The the Kobe's that I done bought off stock I know I didn't put some money in this was man. So, Yeah, absolutely. Because he's buying <laughs> everything, he got and it ain't just him, he got a team. If you read the article, like it. He got some other little dudes running yeah. with him, and they all you know what I'm saying, like they killing it right now. They, hey, they crack us up.
0: Yep, no, no not, not at, at all. all. And Herbert, the executive, we're talking about her 19-year-old son, ran West Coast Street where uh she oh retired. she had a black card
2: too, and he was oh my yeah.
0: god, he was oh she resigned Ain't <laughs> oh <my laughs> got no Man. limit, I Ain't oh. got no oh. limit on that. Oh my god, Nike said her replacement shortly to run the North America uh, division of Nike. So we'll look for that announcement coming up within a few days. Oh, you ain't going to
2: never hear about this again.
0: No. You ain't going to know who replaced
2: the? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> $2. Yeah, uh, completely.
0: This, this hey, is I- embarrassment I- enough. <laughs> That's the podcast according to sources, man. All-Star Weekend, next week NBA fans, enjoy the festivities, even though they probably shouldn't be happening. This Stay so- safe. So all my Chicago people, hey, stay off Southwest. Don't go into Atlanta. I know that's falling on deaf ears because I know all of y'all are be down there partying. But, Wait, did y'all see the
2: schedule they put out for, uh, for Saturday and Sunday?
0: No, I haven't seen it yet. So they put out the
2: they put out like the like the official party schedule for Saturday and Sunday, and like they got rules about they basically gonna have a bubble in Atlanta for Saturday and Sunday, and he said nothing about Friday. The,
0: or Thursday
2: or Thursday nothing so yeah this is the mother of bad ideas <laughs> see how this, yeah, this is the mother of bad
0: ideas
2: you should you so have an all-star game in anywhere Any, if you really wanted to control it, you to put it in Denver you know what I'm saying but you're going to have it in Atlanta come on man like I, I see everywhere that Gucci man going to be I seen everywhere Pooh Icey gonna be. I seen everywhere Jeezy gonna be. I know where every compound is gonna be cracking. Onyx is gonna open back up. Listen, man, and James Harden, let's go. Gonna- <laughs> let's just let's just log. Let's just end this now. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> Don't expect James Harden to play well on Sunday. What for a week? Not just Sunday, a week after that.
2: Like, just, yeah,
0: you're not gonna get nothing from me. KD, KD, better come back quick. Otherwise, Brooklyn, Detroit. Hey, man, the podcast, according to sources, streaming on all digital platforms. Go subscribe to A2S Network on YouTube right now. As I said before, if you missed any parts of the show, go watch it in its entirety right there on YouTube. It is there immediately after we finish the show. For my guys, Brian Crawford, Chris Kaysen, I am SD2Mikes, three dudes from the game who love the game, talking the game right here, podcast according to sources, A2S Network.